on this episode of AV Week, Infocom Connected registration is open. What it will mean to the AV industry. Taking a look at the Women in AV survey and also Zoom tries to get more secure. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 456, recorded Friday, May 15th, 2020. Just that easy. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Sure, Sound Extraordinary, and by Vadio. Makers of the new NDI Professional Broadcast Camera, the RoboShot 30E NDI. And by QSC, who invites you to go native with the QSIS Audio Video and Control Ecosystem. And by Chief, the global leader in commercial AV mounting solutions. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. Uh, I don't believe that this young lady has ever been on this program before, but she's been on my buddy Matt Scott's uh, a thousand times, so why it took me so long is beyond me. Ms. Heather Sidorowitz from Southtown AV. Welcome, ma'am. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Great to see people. just in general that aren't your family right people yeah uh you can actually uh our our, uh, editor um lenore lane did a very nice uh expose not expose but a very nice piece on on she did it yeah she put together while i I think it does tell the story yeah absolutely so check that out on our on our website also with us uh from uh out east mr brad grimes a longtime av professional welcome sir good to see you tim thanks for having me Good to see you. Uh, and I would say go Cardinals, but there's no baseball because Brad's a Cubs fan. Um, yes. <laughs> anyhow, uh, last but not least from QSC out way of Colorado, uh, by way of Minnesota, by way of West Palm, Florida, Mr. Mike Brandis. How are you, sir? Great. I thought this was a virtual happy hour. Uh, <laughs> it could be. It's, Can you see all the wine? I'm like ready. It's, Can you it's see one all o'clock. That? It's one o'clock central time. Sure. What the heck? I mean, it's. What's that, Noon Mountain? So, yeah, you're fine. And you're in Denver. So, you know, smoke them if you got them. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Let's get on this before I get somebody in trouble and most likely me. Uh, First story comes to us from our friends over at SCN and AVNetwork.com. Infocom Connected Registration has officially opened. The virtual show takes place from June 16th through the 18th online. 16th through the 18th, yeah online. Uh, Rochelle Richards, uh, the Senior Vice President of Events at Avixis, says, quote unquote, a talented assembly of industry leaders will converge to invoke an abundance of lively and constructive conversations on the most top of mind issues. There will be education, there will be virtual booths and panel discussions, two of which uh, will be led by yours truly. Mr. Grimes will also be uh, there uh, leading some education. We don't know officially whether or not Mr. Brandis will be in the QSC virtual booth, but QSC will have a virtual booth. So let's start there. Uh, this is is a, in response to the cancellation of Infocom 2020, which was supposed to be happening in Las Vegas. Uh, Vixen made that announcement late in May, uh, late in March. Uh, Mr. Dave Labuskis uh, made the announcement about Infocom Connected actually on our very airwaves uh, the first day of our uh, Learn From Home Summit, the commercial one. 
Uh, Heather, I'm going to start with you on this. Uh, you and I both go to CDA. You and I both go to Infocom. Uh, actually, the first time you and I ever met in real life was in Orlando at Infocom. Yes, we did. It's a hard question, and, and it's, it's probably unfair for anybody to ask this right now. But this will, will this work, right? Will this, in the grand scheme of getting everybody together online, which is something that a number of people have already done, right? Uh, we mentioned the fact that Rave had their... Uh, their virtual uh, trade show, their, their virtual trading session week long. We had ours. It's coming up next week. Almo is doing three days. They're regionalizing it, uh, both east, west, as well as uh, the central time zone. But th- I guess the bottom line, from an attendee standpoint, will this kind of work for you and, and, and maybe you know, fulfill what would have been normally going to Vegas this time? Well, it's, it's, it's going to be tough. Right, it's it's no easy feat, but if anyone can do it, I think Infocom's in a great position um, because they have some really neat, fun visual things. Infocom's always been my favorite show. Um, it's such a visual show. How you relate that back to an online status is gonna be a challenge. Um, but I think that just on the connection alone that people have to Infocom, to going to Infocom. I believe that people will still check in in one way or another. I think that they'll still register. I think that they'll check it out that first day, just like that TV show that someone tells you to watch, right? You have one episode to grab them. So if they can do that in the beginning, in the keynote, in the whatever, however they begin, I think that there's a, a chance that people will continue to tune in. Tiger King, Tiger King. Go watch, you know, <laughs> don't watch it, actually. Um, <laughs> Mr. Brandis, we'll ask you from a manufacturer's standpoint, what does success look like? What does success look like for Infocom Connected from a, a manufacturer standpoint where, let's be frank, you guys, not just you, but other manufacturers will spend several thousands of dollars. Some of the manufacturers go into the millions to get badge scans, right? To get connections, to, to meet with your folks one-on-one, uh, to get you know, FaceTime with folks in, in real life. When that has gone to a virtual setting like so much of our lives has now, what does success look like? What is the takeaway from this? That's a really hard question to answer, but I think uh, an event like this offers us a tremendous opportunity to interface with people who, for whatever reason, wouldn't be able to attend the Infocom show. You know, we see scores of people every Infocom show, but for every person that goes, you know, there's dozens of people in the industry that don't go, mm-hmm. right? So we have a chance, I would say, to reach more people at a much lower fixed cost. We're not sending people out to Las Vegas and enjoying some of the best meals of their lives. Um, we don't have a giant booth that we have to spend months building and shipping. Um, so it allows us to focus our time, effort, and energy into interacting with customers, which is normally just a portion of our time, effort, and energy for any trade show. So I think having a, a chance to, uh, from a manufacturer standpoint, having a chance to talk to more and different customers is always great. You know, we're a large enough manufacturer that um, we have a sales force that we're able to keep our customers up uh, to date. I think this is going to be really beneficial for a lot of those manufacturers that don't have that. A lot of the manufacturers that have small booths at Infocom where they're discovered or maybe get their first big sale. I think this keeps that hope alive for them as well. And I'll say as an attendee of the Infocom show for 10 years now, um, you know, the trade show and talking to manufacturers is a portion of it, but really the big value is in attending these networking events, which 
would be interesting to do online, but panel discussions, education sessions, things like that, I think will be incredibly beneficial to attendees moving forward. Yeah, there's, there's two things I want to I want to pick out there. Number one is the, the, the virtualness and, and, and what this looks like going forward. I, I have said this a, a thousand times in the last two months, and I, I'll say it again. I don't think this is our final reality, right? We will get back together at some point. Yes, I will be able to see all of you in person, maybe not Brandis, but the rest of you in person <laughs> um, at some point. Uh, I, I'm just, I, I pick on Brandis. I've known him way too long. But what this looks like maybe in 2021 or 2022 as an addition, right? Mike, you said something very important there. Not everybody goes to the show, even when it happens, right? So this might very well be a, an add-on something that you guys can can do going forward. Right? And, you know, uh, Infocom slash Avixa has tried to address this problem. Problem being not everyone can afford to go to this one trade show that happens just a few days a year. Um, for years, and they've done it in a number of ways, from the regional roundtables to the small or larger regional showcases. I think this, as an add-on to a large annual in-person gathering, is going to benefit everybody. Now, whether that happens, we don't know, but um, I guess the more we as manufacturers can do to engage with customers that we don't always see all the time, uh, just creates new customers for us and new customers for our customers in some cases when we talk about, uh, you know, facility managers, IT managers, things like that. Mike, I don't know if you have any connections to the marketing side, but the greatest thing I've heard so far that anyone's done since this quarantine is they've said, join us for a, a virtual happy hour or take our webinar or join this and we'll send you the drink so that you open up the drink yeah. and you have it together virtually. And I think that I, that was the greatest. I would sign up for just about anything for that. Not that I'm an I, know. I swear. I'm going to start signing up for other manufacturers' webinars <laughs> just so that way <laughs> yeah, I can so get a $10, great. But it was, it's you a know, clever way to get people, you know, kind of involved. That piece of the end of the day after our feet hurt walking around, you can throw that out sure. there. They can send right. me to you. I'm going to write that down and I'm going to present it as my idea. Go for it. Work. Just sign me up twice. All right. Mr. Grimes, we'll let you wrap up on this with, with uh, you know, it's, it's not as hard of a question as, as Brandis's was. What, what is the best way to experience something like this? Uh, we're in reading online this week in preparation for this segment, uh, looking around and some folks are turning on their out of office uh, filters when it comes to their email, right? So they're, they're not taking any emails or going straight to, to, uh, to the, the filter there. Um, our buddy Brock McGinnis swears that he's going to get in his 20,000 steps that he normally would uh, in during uh, during Infocom, that might be a bit extreme, uh, but go for it, Brock. We, we we wish you well. But what is the best way to, to do this? Well, it's just funny you mentioned Brock because he and I were talking earlier this week, uh, and he is uh, moderating a a session based largely on uh, I think what he wrote at uh, at AV Nation about uh, how to approach uh, the market during these times and how to build. Uh, relationships through empathy and how to be there for your customers. Um, but one of the things he said uh, was that he believed and he was going to block out these days. I mean, it's, I'm pretty sure it was intentional that they, they targeted Infocom Connected for when they expected people to have already blocked out time on their calendar. Um, and I, I happen to agree with that. I, I think that uh, a lot of what Infocom Connected will be about is some of the strengths of the of the in-person show, which is this type of mind share experience that you get and hearing different voices and um, and uh, you know learning new things, things you hadn't heard before. 
and I and the organizers I know brought a lot of the sessions that they thought were strongest uh, from the, uh, the 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 regular uh, calendar into this. Um, so I, I think the one of the things to do is to you know to make some time for it. Um, I think uh, if you're trying to pop in and pop out and still do all your work um, at the same time, it'll be a little bit more challenging. You might not get as much out of it. Um, so if you can, you know, block out as much time as possible, you know, do the same thing you would if you were in Vegas, look at all the, the sessions, try to ID which ones you're going to go to at what time, um, you know, devote as much headspace as you can to it. I think you'll get the most out of it. Right. Do you think it will be in conflict with when states and areas start to reopen? Because I, that, or, or Mike, I, I mean, anybody throw it out there, but I wonder if, you know, if say New York right now in our county, we're looking at reopening in June 1st, right? I have a chance of being much busier when yeah. Infocom starts, right? Versus, so I, have, do you think that they've, that, does anyone know if that's been taken into account? I don't know firsthand that that's been taken into account, but clearly because this is not like any other Infocom year, there are going to be um, circumstances we can't foresee. Uh, you know, again, I was talking to another person who's going to present on a subject that may change dramatically between now and when they present in June. So there's, there's just so much going on. And, and as economies do open and people get back to work, they're going to learn things on the fly that hopefully they'll be able to bring into the, some of these sessions. Um, so yes, it's, it's clearly, uh, I mean, even the in-person was always in conflict with a lot of people's busy seasons. Um, yeah, that's, that's completely understandable. Um, but if you were able to block out any of that calendar, um, you know, I, it's probably a good idea to take as much time as you can, but sure, sure. That, that's going to happen. And I'll jump in here again, from the manufacturer standpoint, we want to talk to customers and get whatever we want the output of batch scans, not just batch scans, but I did read in the article that they're going to have a lot of the sessions up longer term for like a month plus. So yeah. I think those that are going to be coming out of quarantine or facing a busy season, again, are going to be able to access a lot of that rich content that otherwise, you know, maybe for the last few years, they've been able to access after the fact, but for a number of years in the, you know, NSCA uh, Infocom show days, you know, that kind of stuff only happened within the confines of whatever convention hall you were in. So I think having access to that stuff that they can use for professional development, maybe to pique an idea in their mind, uh, I think will be really good. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Uh, next, uh, our next uh, story comes to us actually from our website. And uh, one of SCN's The Nine, and if you haven't gotten it and you're, you're watching the video, this is the very, uh, the very uh, magazine epi uh, issue uh, from SCN, The Future Forward, The Nine Illuminating the Way. Carrie Martinez, along with the Women, of a Women in AV organization, put together a demographic research initiative um, those results have now been published. You can find them on our website as well as a number of others. The 2020 Women and Girls in AV survey found that 80% of those taking the survey were white or, or Caucasian. 67% quote unquote fell into AV as a career path. 58% hold non-technical positions. 51% have started their career in the last 10 years. Um, Mike, I'm going to start with you on this. What were you surprised about with, with some of these results? What, what surprised you? You know, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, the data alone, you look at it, and for a lot of them, you just kind of like, nah, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. The majority of women starting in the last 10 years absolutely makes sense. The mirroring lack of diversity in uh, 
female members of the community as opposed to male members of the community makes complete sense. I was surprised to find out that the um, split between technical and non-technical uh, positions was so close. Um, I think that's great. I think certainly um, we have so many amazing um, women in our industry that are in parts of the industry I don't see every day. Um, life sound, rental and staging, um, house of worship, stuff like that. I would love to see you know that number continue to rise, obviously, and work its way into all sorts of technical positions, even in integration, system installation, things like that. I mean, those were my key takeaways from it was this is great as a starting point. Let's continue to move forward with it. Um, so, yeah. Mr. Grimes, what does this say about us as an industry, uh, those percentages? I understand this is, you know, this is self-reporting, but, but still, what does it say about us? Um, well, I, I think part of it underscores what, what we know is that it's, it's a predominantly male industry. Um, uh, I, I, was, I was impressed to see, as Mike alluded to, the, the diversity of positions, again, self-reported that, that the, these, these women were in. Um, you know, there was a, there was a large contingent in sales and, and, and other positions. I thought that was, um, was, was great news. Um, you know, for an organization like wave or the Avixa women's council, I did think it was interesting that so many or so few of the women seemingly reported having women mentors, um, those, that's what those groups are for. So clearly, you know, these groups are needed. Um, and people who, in, uh, people who engage them, men or women, will be able to bring along um, some really important parts of the industry. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they got 500 people to take a survey. I've tried to get people to take surveys, and, and, and that's, to me, a fairly good response. Um, so, you know, as, as I think we see from WAVE events or VIXA Women Council events, I mean, there is in the industry uh, a segment that's very enthusiastic about this effort. Um, and I think, you know, over time and time will tell, uh, a lot of these numbers will, will tick up. Well, and just for the record, if you've ever, if you've ever seen a poll online or you've watched whatever news uh, report you watch, uh, whether it's online or, or uh, on cable, typically those are a thousand people, right? Uh, and they take it and they do some magic numbers with math and stuff like that to extrapolate. But that's, that's roughly a thousand people. So yeah, 500, Brad, is, is, is actually really, really remarkable. Uh, Heather, last question for here, and, and, and I wanted to take a different step with you. The one thing that I, I found fascinating here was, was the um, number of people, uh, a number of, of, of respondents that uh, were, were white Caucasian, right? Uh, now, the vast majority of the folks that were responding were listed either North America or Europe, parts of Europe, specifically the UK, as where they, they lived and where they worked. How do we get more more women, specifically of color, but just people of color in general, uh, when it comes to in, in, into our industry? Um, you seek them out and you hire them. Um, okay. and, and I know. I know. I know. That sounds like a simple answer, but I mean, I myself have. Um, I have a female that works for me. She was not in the industry. She was someone I knew. Um, kind of. A, she was outer circle at that time in my life, and she just had this spark. And I called her up one day as I found out as her children were getting older and she was considering coming back into the workforce and said like, uh, Hey, you know, you're have this, I, you, I see something in you. I know you're not technical. I can teach that. Um, would you consider coming to work here? And she's been with us for about, it's going to be four or five years now. 
But I really think that sometimes that's how you can find your best people. I've been in this industry now for about 18 years. And I would say that both male and female, that's how we've gotten our greatest people. Um, I have a, uh, my lead installer right now. He used to do masonry work. He carried heavy bricks all day long. So to come to a mostly nine to five job every day, he was tickled pink and the rest could be taught. Um, so I do think that if we respond and go, you know what, it's important to have both sides in all these different aspects from our boards down to who's around our conference room table. And you see someone out there that has a spark, bring them in. You know, I think that you'd be great in this industry. And it's a little bit different because nobody grows up, you know, we say we grow up on to be an astronaut or a doctor or a veterinarian, but we don't think I want to grow up and be an AV person. So a lot of people, I think, don't even know it exists. I mean, how many of us have been on these podcasts and our parents don't even understand what we do um, or our friends don't understand what we do, right? So it's, it's, we have to, I think, go out and seek it to you know, be the change. I, I want to point something out here, and it's, it's a very magical phrase that you just said, and I, it's that I can teach that, right? Um, you find the people, you hire for the people, and you can teach hire them. Hire for, for attitude, you train attitude. the rest. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. <laughs> All right. Uh, last uh, story here comes to our friends over at Commercial Integrator. Zoom has acquired the messaging company Keybase. The deal is one aspect of Zoom's quote-unquote 90-day plan to strengthen its safety and security measures. Eric Wan, CEO of Zoom, said the company is aiming to create a truly quote-unquote private video communications platform that can scale. Mr. Grimes, I'm going to start with you on this. How difficult will it be for Zoom to create a truly private video communication system? Um, I, I, it depends on what the, the goal is. I mean, the, the first thing that they got was a really easy to use system, and that's why everyone's using it. Um, clearly, they, they have security um, measures that they need to take. But I, I think they'll take them. I think it'll continuously, continuously become more secure. Um, you know, I've, I was talking to someone today who's an AV integrator who does all their meetings over, over Zoom and joked that he didn't care if someone Zoom bombed him. It's, you know, it's, it's okay. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll show them the door. Um, so I, I think that um, clearly it needed to be become more secure. It's uh, it's being used far more than um, you know it was envisioned um, back back when they when they launched it. Um, will it be 100% secure? Will will anything be 100% secure? Will any other platform be 100% secure? Um, I think what they did was they, they, they got in people's imagination and they introduced a lot of people to, to the type of uh, communications that we're enjoying right now. And I believe that their success will help them take the steps that they need to make a uh, more enterprise-friendly, secure platform. Mm -hmm. um, Heather, what other measures do they need to take to get this uh, security um, I, I'm not going to say that it's a security issue. It, it, some of it is a security issue, but also some of it's a security uh, perception as well, a security issue perce perception, because they do have what's called a bounty in, in the hacker community. There's, a, there's an active bounty, has been for over a year and a half that I'm aware of. It may be longer than that, so I, I feel free to correct me if I, if, if I have my timing off on that. But it's where you actively tell the hacking community, knock yourself out, try to hack us, let us know what our security issues are, and we'll pay you for that information, right? So what, what other measures do they need to do to not only overcome the actual issues, but also some of the perception issues? Um, 
I'm going to agree with Brad on the people are more into the accessibility and ease of use and versus the, you know, there's certainly going to be companies and government that's going to, they're going to look at things from a more secure standpoint. Um, but it, it's like, I think of it as like the iPad, when the iPod came out, the AV community, you know, I was more residential at that time and they came out and said, oh, this will never take because the AudioPod is not good enough. Right. So we knew, even though we knew, knew better, um, it still took off obviously to what it is today. Um, and I, I feel that with, with the video conferences, it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be how easy can they get it? People understand it. Um, I can't tell you how many teams calls that I've had with people who are outside of teams and they go, I just don't understand this. I only do zoom. And it's the same. I mean, it's like, really, <laughs> I, you know, so they get caught in that. So those people, I think they're going to continue to, to move, to use it. Um, no matter the security or not. Yeah, right. from, a, from a software development standpoint, we have a, a phrase that we use in our office a lot. It's security is inconvenient because it's designed to be inconvenient. Um, when you have a user experience first video platform like Zoom does, inherently you're going to sacrifice some elements of security to make that easy. So I joke that I like to start uh, my day by making the bed. So it's a guaranteed thing I can get off my to-do list. Um, the first few features that Zoom announced uh, were things that were already in the platform. They just didn't market because it was one step more inconvenient to start your meeting. Having a password has been in for a long time. Uh, not using your you know, Zoom ID number for every meeting that's public also been in there the entire time. So a lot of these things were in there and they weren't necessarily an unsecure platform in total. They just focused on the user experience at the risk of security. And we found that to be exploited by some people. And to Brad's point, not everyone legitimately cares about that. Like not using password as your password? Yeah. Okay. It's password. But then they can't remember it. <laughs> so you make it more secure. Password one, two, three, four. Yes. Thank you. Sorry. It's, wow. It's next level. Um, but, you know, a lot of this stuff, it's, it's been there and it, it was just a tension between ease of use uh, and security. I think uh, acquiring a company to make an end-to-end -end encrypted solution, it'll be very interesting to watch the scale, um, to see how it grows, to see how that affects third-party integrations uh, and where those keys are, are held. I mean, building any sort of, um, you know, authentication protocol is very difficult. Talk to anyone who's done HDCP over the network. I mean, this is... 12, 15, 20,000, I don't know, times harder, I would imagine, than, than implementing that. And that's not easy. So kudos to them for doing it. Kudos to them for taking the legitimate concerns from people very seriously. And, you know, it's, it's good to see it happen. Now, people who are saying they're not going to Zoom with their friends because of the security risk, that's a little dumb when they use WhatsApp owned by Facebook. But that's neither here nor there. I just want to point out that, that Brandis brought in HDCP into a conversation about video conferencing. So well done. Well done, sir. Only, only so far as encryption and key I, exchange just, are required. One of the word, the, the phrase HDCP came out of your mouth. So, all right. That will do it for us uh, this week, kids. Uh, Heather Sidorowitz, very nice to have you on, on my program now that you know, you've been on mats for 10,000 times. Thank you so much for coming. It is an honor to be amongst such greatness. And I don't mean that sarcastically. She's not I mean, talking like about you, Brandis. She's not talking about you. All, all you cool cats on the commercial side. 
Again, not you, Brandis. How do people find you uh, in Southtown AV? Um, Southtown AV, it's uh, southtownav.com. You can uh, find me up, look me up on LinkedIn. Um, and on Twitter, which is more of my silly ramblings, is tech underscore chi, C-H-I, as in the balance between life and technology. All right. Mr. Brandis, how do people find you and or QSC? You can find QSC at QSC.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn, Mike Brandis. Um, I would say you could find me on Twitter, but no one needs to follow me on Twitter. He talks about, so- about football a lot, soccer. That's all that's worth talking about these days. I would agree with that because there is no actual, there's no other, no American football right now. So, uh, Mr. Grimes, thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. It's good to be with y'all. Absolutely. How do people uh, get a hold of you? Uh, I do fi- follow Mike on Twitter, which is how I knew he was tweeting about uh, this very episode as we were recording it. Uh, <laughs> on on Twitter, I'm uh, at bgrimesdc. I, I I stalk more than I tweet these days, and I'm I'm going to try to rectify that. But uh, and to be honest with you, I will be one of the uh, many moderators or presenters at uh, Infocom Connected. Um, so, you know, my I, I'll be sitting down with some folks who are talking about how uh, the uh, AV industry or uh, pro AV integrators are going to gonna navigate, you know, future environments like this where uh, collaboration goes virtual, you know, virtual. There's all sorts of great sessions there. So uh, maybe you'll duck your head in there and, uh, and say hi there, too. Very good. Thank you all. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, don't follow me on the Twitters, but go by the website, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You'll find programs like this and a host of others. I mentioned my buddy, Matt Scott. He does a weekly program on the residential side of the AV industry. It's called Resi Week. It posts every single Wednesday, uh, and he has folks like Heather Sidorowitz and a number of other folks, so check that out. Um, couple things happening. Uh, Brad mentioned the fact that he's going to be a part of Infocom Connected. I will as well. Uh, I'm doing a couple of different virtual things for, for folks. Uh, so we'll talk about the, from, from a, I guess a chronological standpoint. I mentioned the fact that Alma was doing their virtual event. I'm a part of that. Um, we're doing, uh, we did four interviews uh, for, I'm sorry, eight interviews um, for Alma. They're doing theirs the 18th, the 21st, and 22nd. So Monday, Thursday, and Friday of, of this coming week by the time this posts. You'll, you'll hear it uh, this Monday. Uh, depending on where you are. So they're splitting up between West Coast, Central Time Zone, as well as East Coast. You can check that out. And then I'm with Brad and, and going to be doing two different sessions for Infocom Connected. One is about, quote unquote, almost famous. Megan Dutta and I from SCN, this very magazine right here. Uh, her and I will be talking about the latest, greatest technologies that you've not quite heard of yet, or maybe you've heard of it, but uh, it's, it's about to be famous. And then Matt Scott, Chris Neno, and I are all three going to go around to the virtual 10 by 10 booths and tell you on Friday morning of Infocom Connected which ones you have to head straight to and, and for the, the hidden gems, as it were. So, uh, Also, uh, while you're there at, at our website, please check out our underwriter section. These are the folks who help us financially, help us bring you AV Week and Rising Week and all the other stuff. And QSC is one of those. So we thank them for their support and for letting Brandis hang out with us for half an hour. So we, we do appreciate that. So all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week. 